I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. This is a special post-democratic debate episode featuring activists Wagatwe Wanjuki and Anoa Changa. Nice. In this episode, I continue my post-debate analysis with Wagatwe Wanjuki and Anoa Changa covering the second night of the first Democratic primary debates, and we jump right into discussing the viral story of the night, the exchange between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Enjoy. Second debate is over, and I do not want to keep the listeners waiting. Let's let's just jump to it. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. The fire. Discuss. Ooh. I I don't know what she was listening. I don't know what was on her playlist before she got on stage, but she was ready. She had the one-liners popping. She was ready. She came off like the, like, older sister adult in the room, and then... She came off real sweet and she tried. I'm like, you know, I need to talk to, you know, I need to talk to Joe, Vice President Biden. And it just, I just need you to know that this really hurt my feelings because I was this little cute little black girl who got buzzed. And then she, then she turned it up. <laughs> like, she tried, it's like she tried to give, she's like, I tried to be nice. I tried to be nice. And then she turned up on him. I'm like, I got my issues with her, but yo, I have a newfound respect for the Senate. I mean, not that I don't respect her, but like, mm. I was, I mean, with her and Cory Booker in this issue, because it's not like they've ever come off as like the most strongest, like black, you know, pro-black issue people. Not that, not that they're not black or they're not committed to racial justice or anything like that, but they don't seem very like militant about being black. Yeah. But... And again, they're senators, so, you know, not that they would be necessarily, but the way both of them have directly spoken to Biden on this issue, considering so much of the black Democratic leadership has defended him on this issue. I actually have been very impressed by the past week, week and a half with both of them. But her tonight taking that that's being able to get in, get that in in that question and being able to insert herself rightfully as the only black person and black woman on the stage um, was, was poignant. I yeah. thought. Yeah. And you said you, what was on her playlist? I know what was on her playlist. <laughs> Lizzo's <laughs> truth hurts. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> I mean, Lucky Buck might've been in there too. <laughs> yeah. I was really impressed. And I think that was one of the moments where, I think we're just at the place, right, where we are in an age where we can have multiple black people and also we can like choose and pick and choose. I don't feel like mm-hmm. we have this like obligation, like, oh, my God, this one black person. So it was mm-hmm. cool to see Kamala like remind us, though, that like this is what you can have. Also, like, yeah, you know, Kamala's a cop, blah, 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 meme, you know, like all of that, sure. But also there's still, you know, she still has experienced blackness in Mm -hmm. this country. And that's something that like, can't be replicated by any white guy or white woman or, you know, any non-black person on stage. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this offline, but I did, you know, regardless of how you feel about her positions or her policies or her past position as, you know, DA, like I knew from her performances on committees and just, you know, in the public Mm -hmm. eye, I knew she was Mm going to bring it, right? Like it just didn't, I just knew she was going to bring it because that's who she is. That's who we are, right? Like you don't get to that level as a black woman with already, without having a fire under you already. Yeah. You know, and I also love the technique, honestly, like it was so well planned. And did you see her tweet? 
um, afterwards. Of oh, the her. picture of the little girl. Yes. I was like, oh my God, this is actually amazing. Like, it was so well done. And I was just like, this woman is on top of it. Like it seemed practiced and like not in a, in authentic way, just sort of like she knew what she was doing. And I feel like she knew how uh, delicate this could be. And it could be used, you know, cause like any woman who's assertive, especially a black woman who's assertive, mm-hmm. right. Like can be read as aggressive. And so, yeah, that was just, that was, that was cool to see. I'll say like as a black woman and seeing that I'm like, wow, like this person's running for United States of America and I'm watching this and that's, that's cool. That exchange, you know, um, between them two, he was unrepentant. I mean, he's, he's been clear that he's unapologetic, right? Like he's not apologizing for anything. He gave a really horrible defense and explanation. He not even basically, he invokes states' rights and local control, you know, things that we know very well from history uh, uh, that have been utilized to oppress, suppress Black people in particular, Brown and other people as well, and like states' rights. Like that was just so alarming. I didn't want the Department of Education to tell people they had to bust. Like busting is fine if people choose to do it. Huh? And uh, enacting and, and remedies to address systemic racism and segregation is is okay as long as people agree to make themselves uncomfortable to do it. We're never going to move forward with someone like him. His, in fact, I, you know, Joe Biden would set us back. I mean, mm-hmm. not nearly as bad as what has happened with the Trump administration. And I don't, I think when he's criticized, people need to not say, well, he's better than Trump. Okay. I mean, so what, like my, like, you know, so, somebody's dog is probably better than Trump. But what <laughs> happened tonight with Biden, when he tried to, it was very, that was very ugly. And I'm sure, you know, the three of us can think about experiences we've had with older white men in particular, where they have done something so blatantly wrong and we've had to correct them. And because of our position or our junior status in a professional capacity, I know I, I'm, I'm definitely speaking for myself because I know my first year out of law school, my first year as an attorney and my first job with a well-meaning you know, nonprofit, do-gooder, liberal outlet who also loved to throw around Barack Obama's name a lot in Chicago. I had this experience with, you know, one of our chief, one of our chief, you know, head staff counsel and our executive director, both much older white men, you know, trying to carefully correct them on things and being told I was wrong and I didn't know what I was talking about, even though I am a black woman that has grown up in a black family, in a black community, having had a black experience. And at that time I had younger black children, but I've been raising black children at this point now of my life for almost 18 years. Right. So it's it's that just evokes something so much in me watching her experience that. But then also for him to, I don't know if many people caught this, he threw in her face that she came out of law school as a prosecutor and he was a public defender as if somehow he has the moral <laughs> high ground compared to her. Mm. However, however, the question I have is how long and in what capacity was Joe Biden really working? Because I'm getting some very different answers in my in my request for research on Twitter right now. Mm. Some folks are saying he it was less than a year. Some folks are saying it was only part time as his main job was at a law firm. And that's a whole nother different conversation wow. scenario, too. So, like, I'm going to dig into that a little bit more and see exactly what it is. But this was my one criticism about Hillary Clinton as well. When she ran, when she talked about working at the Children's Defense Fund before she passed the bar, 
Um, and, 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 and for us as lawyers, particularly as, as black women and black men too, we would never be able to claim some of the things that, that they as older white people are able to claim as experience or their value. We're never allowed to claim that on our resumes. It's never a part of our worth. If we don't have particular experience, then we're, our word is not valuable. And for him to stand on that stage and do that, particularly if he wasn't like he had some, cause I was like, that's odd. And I was like, I don't think I ever knew that he worked as a public defender. And so I was like, no, it was for a very short period of time. And somebody else was like, well, I think it was only part time, according to his website. So um, oh. if that isn't if, you know, fact checking him, I think fact checking Joe Biden, because Joe Biden believes in his own mythology so deeply. Um, it's really important in a way in which it doesn't even matter whether he intended it for it to come out that way uh, towards her. He was, he was, you know, he's a different type of combative than Bernie Sanders, right? Like Bernie has no self-awareness and, you you know, comes off like that little kid that just doesn't know that they're, they seem like they're, you know what I'm saying? Like he probably thinks he's, he's responding normally or no, he's like Mm -hmm. an old person that doesn't have his hearing aid and right. Like he doesn't realize he's shouting at you because he can't hear um, and I do apologize. I don't mean that to sound, you know, anti-old people. Ageist. My stepdad, I don't mean to be ageist or anything. My stepfather has a hearing aid and that's just what happens when he doesn't have it in. He talks really loud and it, co- it can, if you don't know any better, you might think he's yelling at you, but he just can't hear. He just doesn't know he's talking loud. So I don't know. Bernie might be yelling at everybody. I don't know. But, but, but Biden is a little slicker with it. But it was really disconcerting actually watching that exchange. And he literally had no remorse for what she was expressing as her experience. Yeah, you know, that's his thing, though. Like, you know, he's been called out on a lot of things and he never apologizes. And the thing is, between the three of us, you know, knowing our backgrounds, we have all met Joe Biden at some point in our careers and in our Mm -hmm. lives. Right. And they never apologize. Right. And, and, you know, actually, and I'm, I'm very defensive about the ages, the ageism thing. Right. Because I don't think it's a function of age. Right. You know, look at Barbara Lee or Maxine Waters or, you know, some of the other you know, older no, women black, no or crack. older people. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> good black don't crack. That must extend to other areas. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, right. it's not just that. Right. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think of some other people I mean, who, Elizabeth who aren't just like older. I didn't exactly. know Elizabeth Warren was, was closer in age to them like that. I thought she was, like, younger in her 60s. I didn't realize she was turning mm. 70. So, no, that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, I don't think it's a function of age. I just think it's a function of, you know, they were part of an era and they chose a side of that era. And for Joe Biden, it was the era of people who do not who do not want black kids to be, you know, to be bust. Right. Like, you know, that that was the era. That was the side he chose. And like now he's trying to go back on it because he's trying to run in a modern election and it's just not working for him. Right. Oh, well, just to follow up on that, you know, there's something about Joe Biden, I feel like or. This like primary so far, I feel like there's like this new energy, like energy of like new politics and energy of old politics and like sort of the politics I can fuck with. Like, oops. Well, sorry. <laughs> but you That's know okay. I, mean? <laughs> I was like, I was going to try not to curse. But, you, you know, like, the politics, I you know, I fuck with or whatever. And then like the politics, I'm like, this is the stuff that made me think it wasn't for me. And I feel like Biden very much represents that like politics i think we need to move away from the like the narcissist politics basically Mm -hmm. right like it's narcissism like if you can't admit wrong if you think that's a bad thing and like 
the snide comments, like you said, like the combativeness is different with Biden even versus Bernie. And, and I feel like they all have different types of narcissisms. And it's not like they're all objective. It's not like a bad thing. I'm not like trying to diagnose people, but just in the sense of like when people get so much power and privilege for so long and like are around people who kind of have to defer to them for for everything for decades and decades. I think that really does impact how a candidate like interacts with others and like with with the public. And so for me, I think the debate like really solidified that for me with Biden, just the way that he was he, he was acting. And yeah, like the way that he was he could have stood up and like surprised all of us when Kamala like called him out and he failed the test again like when would we ever expect anything different from him mm-hmm. yeah and you know this isn't about age necessarily but he just seemed emotionally fra- <laughs> emotionally frail I mean I was I laughed mm. because I was just thinking about like I'm picturing her just calling him out and just like hammering him on that issue over and over again and he just seemed to just shrink and shrink and shrink you know and again I don't want to imply that this is like an age thing like he's like a shrinking old man or anything like that but it's just like he like his posture right you could tell that he was like losing that fight you know and mm. I you know a little bit of me just felt a little bad for him I don't know I mean I don't really in in the long run but you know, I just felt yeah. bad that he just wasn't. He just That's couldn't because you back, are right? a darling, sympathetic, empathetic, wonderful human being. I, on the other <laughs> hand, am, am evil and petty and do not feel bad for him at all. <laughs> well, this is like his 16th run for president. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's never done, done well right? before. And the only reason why he's doing well before, well now, is because his black, his famous black friend. Is like our favorite president. <laughs> like, yeah. You know yeah. what? Yeah. You know, I want to compare. So I know that this is this is a no-no. And but I think I can, I can get away with it because I'm a black woman, right? So I wanna compare because I think about that a lot. I think about, you know, Cory Booker, you know, who was last night, and I think about Kamala Harris, and I think about Barack Obama and the way that they were received and the way that they present themselves to the public when they're at this stage of their candidacy. And I was thinking about Kamala Harris and, and Barack Obama and thinking about your comment about, you know, oh, I didn't, you know, she doesn't come across or she didn't come across as somebody who's really militant or, you know, like really kind of you know, black, black, you know what I mean? But I think that she is more so than Obama was at this stage, right? Like mm-hmm. he was closer to Booker to me, uh-huh. although he wasn't all the way on that love yeah. side than, than Harris. Like she is being unapologetically black, mm-hmm. I think. I think that's okay. the HBCU experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she did have a drum line. yeah i mean i met her last year at netroots nation actually and i would agree like there's you know like you see politicians but she had an all-black team with her you know and i still remember that and it didn't feel like a tokenizing thing it was just like natural like of course i'm from oakland i'm gonna have black staffers and there's just something about that where i i i feel like it was also a different era with obama team no white men the past two nights has has won um, because all of them have looked, I mean, like, like, uh, tonight for tonight, for example, you know, you have Hick and Looper, you had, okay, well, Swalwell, I will say, I do appreciate him with the Biden quote in the past, the torch. Th- that was amazing. That was, that was so good. <laughs> I must, uh, I must update my, my profile picture now to say past the torch. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That was yeah, yeah, yeah. like 
And he was like, I'm yeah, not. He just kept saying it. He was like, I'm not ready. To, he's like, I'm not passing the torch yet. And it's just like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> like really? Yeah, yeah. I know what I was going to say about Harris. I was just going to say that, and this may sound conspiratorial, but. I just wonder because when she came out with her campaign and I'll stop talking about Harris in a while, but I'm just kind of like really really taken by this moment tonight. She did really well. Mm -hmm. But like when she first Mm -hmm. came out, she was the front runner. Like she had the strongest campaign. She announced like first. Right. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if this impression that we got of her, like, you know, Oh, that she's not, she's not going to bring it, you know, as a black woman, she's going to be more on the kind of, um, I don't know, kind of centrist or kind of like, you know, middle right. And she's not really kind of like with us. I wonder where we got that impression because she's never really done anything to my knowledge to give us that impression. I wonder if it was just kind of fed through social media. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm being a conspiratorialist right now. I think that there are people with valid concerns and like reservations, but social media with like misrepresentation presentation and misinformation and trolling it has kind of like conflated it to make it seem like at least that's how I feel for me like I always had my personal like reservations and just in terms of like knowing her history and I think that has always been why I've been kind of hesitant because I know for for a black woman to get where she is right especially as someone with like a legal history and being a DA like you do have to conform to white supremacist Mm -hmm. standards to get that far for some you know somewhat so for me i knew it wasn't because of social media but just sort of like knowing what it takes knowing what kind of black people get up or like what kind of behavior right of what kind of conformity they expect for you to get to that point made me sort of suspicious just sort of like me not totally trusting pete Buttigieg, like as a queer person right like because like i know what it is like how much conformity you need to have um to really make it that far yeah okay so you know i'm I'm, i've gotten the harris thing out of my system i just want to say though like i will say back to what you said earlier about how you know seeing how she's handled like the hearings and stuff like it's very clear like even though i've been critical of her because of you know the prosecutorial not and, and my whole thing has always been that her record it's not disqualifying um, and it's not dispositive. Like, like she's not, it's not an end game, right? But I felt that when they, she did come right. out strong, but I felt that they never really had a strong response to it. And the way she's chosen to deal with it, I know still offends a lot of people who have legitimate criticisms, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not talking about, you know, folks who are like, oh, she's a cop, oh, this, oh, that. Like, I don't, I don't really get into all of that, right? Like, I don't see value in that necessarily. I know some people feel strongly about that, but... I do think that there are specific things that it's like, okay, can you at least acknowledge this? And she kind of like meanders around it. However, right. My, my criticism also was that I just felt like they could have dealt with it better. And there was an article, I want to say might've been political, maybe like two weeks ago that was talking about how Maya, her sister has actually struggled with the team internally to kind of get them to handle it differently. That's more consistent with progressive values. Um, And I thought that was interesting and I was like, oh, so I'm not completely off because if Maya says it and Maya's super smart, then I think what what we're seeing now is maybe there's been a realignment. And what my interpretation is, there's been a realignment internally and in how she can be perceived as strong and really leaning into who she is. Right. Because I think for what you were saying, Jen, about like, you know, with the way Obama was at this point in time, like, 
Obama, you know, happened to be was basically like, you know, the everyday American American dude who just happened to have a funny African name and uh, a black dad he didn't know. Right. Like he wasn't it's like he was black because he had the black family, like his family was black. Right. But he had a white grandma. He made sure everyone know he had a white grandma. You know, he had to make sure he, to show he was really American. He grew up in Hawaii. That's so far removed for a lot. So it, so it's interesting thinking about him and, and the way you compare it. And I, and I appreciate the way you were saying, like, we're not going to get into, like, judging people's blackness. Because I also did, like, even though I've criticized her, I've also defended her because I think it's absolutely insane the way people pick apart whether or not she really is black or can she rightfully claim being black. Yeah. That type of conversation mm-hmm. drives yeah. me nuts. Um, and... And it's, you know, there's there's some issues with different things that go into that. But like I I do I do see that no matter who we get, we have to somehow figure out how we build accountability in the process. But I think, you know, we can acknowledge that people do well, still find a way to be accountable and talk about their record and the things that we would like for them to improve upon. But I'm I'm definitely team Biden past the torch. Um, you know, and and I think I just thought she did really I I she did well, like when she was like, you know, the food fight. The food fight, you know, mine, like, you oh, know, we don't, yeah. Americans don't want to come watch a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on the table. That was good. She clearly, I need to look and see, like, sis, did you do moot court? Because these are, these are good. I mean, like, I'm thinking about things from trial <laughs> right. and moot court. I was like, ooh, she, she went and reviewed some notes. Like, <laughs> it was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that yeah. the three of us, this is really good to talk about her because the thing about the three of us, I think that our backgrounds, we've been in that position where people might have been suspicious of who mm-hmm. we are and our blackness. You know what I mean? So I'm particularly mm-hmm. sensitive to that debate, right? Like, you know, being an attorney mm-hmm. or going to an Ivy League school or, you know, whatever we are, like as black women, people questioning our blackness. So, you know, that, that that really bothered me too. And and you know, what's his face? Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> tweeted, right? And I'm like, who's oh. that awful person? He retweeted someone tweeting something about Kamala not being actually black because like, <sighs> oh, she is half Jamaican and half whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is it Indian? And so it kind of had that ADOS vibe to it, sort of like, oh, I'm tired of these like, you know, non-African Americans taking our thunder and our jobs or whatever, and they don't speak for us. So it's going to be used. And I think that's a, that's something that I kind of was afraid of when Kamala uh announced because I, I remember when Barack Obama right when he was running and the constant attacks and all the racism and I'm like do I really want to hear all the misogynoir and I feel like I'm like bracing myself like I it gets tiring to see other people argue things that could also be applied to yourself you know that's just it's it's, it's just I guess that's just like part of the price of breaking these barriers but it's something I've been thinking about especially with Donald Trump Jr. tweeting that nonsense Girl. <laughs> so just who okay, so okay, now I've now I've gotten Kamala out of my system. Okay. So who is the other person that I thought I was really watching tonight? I was watching Buddha Judge and Sanders. You know, I expected them to have more of a moment tonight than they did. Like Buddha Judge to me just seemed maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's my bias, but he just seemed flat. 
I felt like he was, you know, and I don't like to necessarily judge people's, you know, temperament on stage, you know, because that's often used against women. It's often used against black people, you know, but his temperament, it did. It seemed a bit like, you know, he didn't have that vibrancy that other people had on stage. And I I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I never really I didn't notice it per se. And it might just be because I always felt this disconnect with him like I felt this stiffness with him and like not totally being I don't know I never found him charismatic I guess uh maybe that's just my own bias but I I think Pete Buttigieg like really shines in those like when there's not nine other people that he's competing with basically right like because he does the like let me go to dinner with you let me be on your HBO show let me go on your podcast let me you know he doesn't seem to be like a debate person which is not good right like because you kind of have to be a debate person right because so here's what was happening to me and like i said i don't necessarily want to talk about temperament or like stage presence because ultimately what matters is the substance but because he kind of gives gives these you know intellectual answers that are kind of subdued and they're they're not memorable right (laughs) like i was trying to remember like oh what was his stance on on you know climate change what was his stance on certain and he didn't necessarily set himself himself apart because you know frankly this entire dim field you know they're they're pretty close on a lot of the issues so you really have to bring it to set yourself apart and i didn't feel that he necessarily did that right and i'm not really sure how substantive those answers were like they just seemed kind of yes this is the right answer for this and you know i've thought about these these facts but you know i can't really go deeper that's what i said though on twitter though i was just like he's the kid in class he doesn't do the homework doesn't you know participate and do the class project we'll, but we'll turn in and or show up for the final assignment right and cram to do just good enough and like i i have such really i have a lot of problems with him particularly when he talks i mean i they all need to be fact checked the, the, the whoever's moderating the next debate needs to really be hitting them harder on stuff because they're skating by with stuff that's just not like when Pete we've got he he's he sounds he sounds so good. He's like, yes, I did have a problem policing and I didn't do a good job this time. It's like, dude, you've been in office for what, eight years now? You haven't done a good job. There are several articles out about how you didn't do a good job the entire eight years you've been in office. Like he talked to he mentioned the FOP letter rebuking him. The person listed on the letter as a treasurer. Uh, I can't remember the last name, but the first name is Aaron. That cop is listed several times in so many different incidences that were not handled properly, you know, from an advocate perspective that has led to the current climate in South Bend. So they have a real serious issue. Like one of the most problematic cops they have is in the FOP leadership. Like they have a serious issue that that's not because he he's been so stern. We all know as soon as you say something that FOP like they don't like, they are on you. That don't mean he's been doing his job. And like you said, the other answers and things that we was talking about when he was like, what do you say? Um, Medicare for those who want it. I, we don't have car insurance for those. Everybody has to have car insurance if they drive. <laughs> and I think that this whole making insurance optional I understand some of the concerns that people and I'm not I'm not a health insurance person at all. And I live in a state that hasn't even been able to expand Medicaid. Right. Um, So I definitely understand that we need we need multiple levels to this conversation. And it can't it's it's not going to be that simple that you just elect, you know, a person who's all for it. And then suddenly within the first hundred days, magically, we all have Medicaid. Like, it's just not that simple. However, 
Um, I am really disturbed by Pete and a lot of his rhetoric around, well, we don't want to benefit. We don't want to do something that might residually benefit. We might somehow benefit rich people, so we don't want to do it. And that bothers me a lot. So you want to half step on helping the rest of us because you might benefit somebody who might have it. I mean, like, you seem like you're doing pretty decent. I don't want to benefit you then. Like, I, I, I just... I just, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> no, I agree. I, it, Yeah, that argument drives me bananas because it's like, well, rich people already benefiting the most and like disproportionately. So you don't want to help like 99% of people because like a fraction of the 1% might get help. Like that just sounds ridiculous mm-hmm. to me. You know, there was another problematic answer with, let's see, it was a response, his response Mm -hmm. to what to do about student loan debt, right? It was something like, he started, it started off, you know, sounding empathic, you know, like, oh, you know, I have six figures in student loan debt, my husband has six figures in student loan debt. But, you know, just like you can refinance your house, you can. <laughs> and I was I like, mean, I just thought uh, that was just so tone deaf. It's like, well, b- people can't buy houses because they've got student loan debt. Like what? Pete Buttigieg is so white. I'm sorry. Like when he said, oh, well, we have six figures. Like I'm so- like that kind and of annoyed student me. Loan debt. Well, and I'm, I'm trying like, to understand how they got as much student loan debt as they as they. And so one, I'm like, is that six figures combined or individually? Right. One, Exa- two, mm-hmm. how you got a house? Well, I mean, seriously, I got six figure loan debt and I'm still trying to dig out from the from the 2008 2009 financial crisis 10 years later. I also am a single black woman who has been raising kids through this whole time, too. You know, those are single white men accumulating income and wealth and opportunity. Right. Like that is another thing that he does not consider at all in his analysis. I didn't like that anecdote because I was like, no, you're totally on a different area, because especially like with the refinance thing, like, oh, cool. So now I have to have good credit, which is a inherently racist, classist system. You know, it was just like he's just very neoliberal. I feel like he's very white. And I feel like he's just like that kid that I went to those types of kids I went to school with who didn't really hang out with anyone who wasn't rich like them or at least like upper middle class or as privileged as them and so it's like i think he just genuinely has like it's brand new for him i think to really think about populations differently than him and i don't like that he's doing it just because he's running for president of the united states Mm -hmm. right and i get the feeling that Mm -hmm. he also does not care to learn Right. Like, you know, he's been kind of rising in the polls for a while now. And people have been critical of these issues. And, you know, he hasn't really budged his numbers with black voters. And, you know, I just Mm. feel like he hasn't been prepared to answer those criticisms. And I just feel like, you know, he's a younger Biden in a sense, in that he's just kind of unapologetic about not getting it. Yeah. Like when they asked him about the police force getting whiter, right? He was like, well, I didn't do it because I couldn't do it. It's like, no, you just you could have. You just didn't. Like he couldn't even just say, like, I failed to do that. You know, it was just uh, he annoys me so much. (laughs) The thing is, is I'm trying to separate my personal feelings about and and I'm looking for something. I'm looking for, you know, because people like him or they used to like him. I don't think he's risen. I think he may even be flat or falling in the polls. I think he's falling, isn't he? I think so. Um, And I've been looking and trying to see like, like, what is it that captured people that made him rise in the first place? You know, and and I think that the media plays a big role in this, you know, because he, you know, he looks good and he talks well on camera. They love that. And so what they do is they just keep pushing people and pushing people and they keep ignoring the really important questions. Like, you know, maybe if they had asked him in the beginning about what was going on in his hometown and the 
police department, you know, maybe, you know, we would have had some of the stuff figured out months ago. Yeah. Right. But they didn't. They were like, oh, how many languages do you speak? Oh, that's cool. He, he, he took softball media, right? Because it was all about saturation. Like he was, it seemed like he was avoiding the hard stuff for a while. And then I just didn't like how then he kind of shifted to like a listening tour, quote unquote, with black people. So I'm like, cool. So now you're going to go travel. You're going to get paid as you travel the country, asking black people to do free emotional labor to make you better at like potentially becoming president. Like that just feels like so that's just like the white liberal stuff that like I just can't stand, you know, and was, I just it's hard to see someone learn on the job to run for such a high position, you know. But you know who else kind of did a kind of tour of, you know, of like a black listening tour and it didn't bother me. And I'm not really sure why. Swalwell, right? He had this video that came out where he was going into neighborhoods talking, you know, because this thing is gun violence, talking about gun violence in, you know, black neighborhoods or whatever. And for some some reason, I don't know, that just felt more genuine to me. Like, I, I don't think he's going to go very far. Right. But he's. I mean, I hate to use this word, but he's kind of likable. I don't know. He's he's likable. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think it's because, like like you said, his thing is gun violence. So it's like you can connect the dots. It's like, OK, well, he's trying to use his privilege. Probably, you know, we can say, oh, he's using his privilege to highlight an aspect of gun violence that's been like underrepresented in the media that we don't, you know, pay attention to. So he's going to try and bring it to the stage. You know, Pete Buttigieg, what does he stand for? neoliberalism like anyone even i don't know like what does he stand for (laughs) he stands for what's the word i'm looking for um when you speak multiple languages (laughs) (laughs) multilingualism he stands for multilingualism for all americans that's terrible i shouldn't have said that (laughs) (laughs) watch them take it too they'll take the idea no i'm kidding um yeah, we need to talk about Bernie Sanders. So I guess he, like Biden, is also like I think usually in second place in the polls. He kind of he's kind of shrinking to me. I mean, so the first thing I noticed he was given the very first question, and if I could have had a recording of his debate in two thousand when was it twenty sixteen, you know, I probably couldn't distinguish that answer because he has not. I just felt like he hasn't updated his messaging. Like he was running from, you know, campaigns past. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Right. Like, wasn't he asked something about identity politics, like about his like, you know, he's he's still not good with anything that is in economics, in my opinion. Right. And he didn't really answer that question. And he like went back to like the economic thing. And then also he didn't even he forgot to mention people of color. So all he did was mention was it LGBT people, which kind of like seemed hard and for he him messed to up say. the acronym. <laughs> he did. <laughs> How many letters did he leave out some letters or you I just don't know. Add he said like LGBD or something? He said he he mixed it up and maybe he was just talking really fast and he gets nervous. Like I think he doesn't do well if he's not giving prepared remarks. He does not do well at all mm. with communicating with people, right? Like I don't know if he gets nervous cuz that was one of the things having conversations with some of the you know a couple people I know on the senior staff after she the people was that he got nervous and lost his place and forgot what he was going to say and just quickly scrambled to think of something to say in that moment when he i'm referring to when he was asked upon followed about white nationalist violence he redirects he didn't ask to answer the question then he started talking about his civil rights 
you know, experience or whatever. And, and my thing is, if that happens to him and he's having difficulty in moments where he has to speak off the top of his head or when he's asked questions that are off script, then those are strategies. Those are things that you all need to work on with him, not like, you know, blaming other people or making excuses, which I mean, with both Biden and Bernie Sanders, their politics are very different. Right. I'm not going to I'm not going to lump them together like that. But with both of them, you do see the people around them. Uh, explaining what they mean way more than we see for any other candidate running right now. And that is, you know, an entitled thing that happens with white men. And what we're saying doesn't necessarily have to do with anything with age, but we're seeing, I mean, white people generally, but white men in particular, right, in, in this in this conversation, we're seeing the two leading white male candidates, their surrogates, their staff, you know, their supporters have to overly explain for us when they're speaking plain language, we can hear them very clearly what they're saying. It's not like they're talking in parables like Marianne Williamson, like they're speaking very clearly and we hear the words coming out of their mouth. So you tell me, oh, what he really meant to say was, or he forgot these other three sentences he also should have said. Well, I mean, that I don't know that I can trust that. Like if it comes to these really clutch moments and we have presidential candidates who are trying to be the president and they can't say what needs to be said, we see what already happens with someone who's not, you know, completely firing exactly the way we need someone to be in that that position. We don't need to we don't need somebody else who can't completely do the job and communicate the job like they're supposed mm-hmm. to. Like, I don't know. It concerns me. That's a really good point. Um, that was really good free advice that you just gave. I wish they would listen. I'm I'm sure they won't. <laughs> I don't think the I don't think either. I don't think either candidate is listening. I think they have staff. I'm pretty sure both of them, not I'm pretty sure, I know for a fact Bernie has staff who are mm-hmm. trying. Um, I've talked to them. But I, with Biden, I assume, you know, Simone got a little testing, testy with me last week when I said, you know, sad what people do to pay their bills. She got a little annoyed that I implied that the campaign was paying her bills, but it's like, if it's not paying your bills, why are you working for him? But, 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 so, but I, 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 you know, from the, from the article we saw about how she and others had to pull him aside about the Hyde Amendment. So they're talking to him. They're trying, they're trying to prepare him. I prep him better, I guess. But it seems like Bernie and Biden, they're, they're, they're stuck in their ways. They are who they are. And they think they know what is needed and they're not listening. And we're a new generation in a new way. And we have a new way of analyzing and addressing and dealing with things like, well, God's way, we've talked about this before about like with him and just his lack of under his lack of concern to understand about the whole issue with, 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 with personal space and boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one's saying you're necessarily, well, there are people who say this, but I'm not saying you're a rapist, dude. I mean, yes, Trump is horrible. He's a rapist. He's a whole lot of things. But that doesn't excuse the fact that you don't respect women in our boundaries mm-hmm. and our personal bodily autonomy. Like that's you make fun of it whenever you get a chance. Yeah. 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 And, and and that's the thing. Like, again, it just feels old school. Right. It feels like the like old school parenting. Right. Like, mm-hmm. OK, the leader, you just listen to the parent. And it's because I said so, you know, like I I really do feel like we're, we're easing more into an age where you have to, it's a conversation how it should be, right? You have to listen. Good leaders listen. They apologize. Mm-hmm. They prepare. I'm sorry. How are you running for president? Like for so many years and still not be like, I don't know, just like super on top. I, well, he, he's had a lot of stuff in his life. So let me not say that, but like, I just, I would expect more. It just feels like he's coasting. Like he knows he can coast on his name and on his friendship with Obama. 
for a while and i he just needs to drop out period mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i think he's gonna i think he's gonna start to see some drops right what and one thing i wanted to mention is that i really want like this is something i, I think i'm gonna keep pounding the drum on like i want to have a president talk about like what they're gonna do to reduce gender-based violence um i appreciate kamala mm-hmm. talking about like i wish it sucks that like that part was when she went over time, but I really loved how she did bring up, right? Like if an undocumented person's raped, they should be able to go to the mm-hmm. police. Like, okay, fine. I'd rather yes. the police not yeah. be there, but like, right. And she said like, these undocumented people are particularly vulnerable because they're undocumented, that abusers are targeting them. Right. And like, I think we need, this is, it was, it made me think I'm like, this is possible. We need to talk about what the, the president can do to like treat, gendered violence as like the public health issue the safety issue the health issue the financial issue that it is so um yeah she see again went back to kamala but yeah that's it was an interesting night i feel like kamala took up so much space that i feel bad that we didn't talk about like so many people like last time but i also kind of appreciate that they felt like there's a clear like clear winner can I just ask you guys one more question? I just thought of a really good one. What's going to happen when it shrinks and it's Kamala and Warren Ooh. on stage? Oh, I don't know if I'm ready. Like, I don't want to like, that's going to be, I think it's going to be good because they're not nasty. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's going to be one of those like competitions where it's like two really good teams in different ways. And there's going to be a showdown and it's going to be like fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, well, thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Thanks again. And I'm glad to got to, uh, yeah, decompress. Absolutely. This was good. (laughs)